this is way more than what we expected. So thank you for being here, for being interested. Um, we are 100% in the trenches with y'all. We love kiddos. We spend every day with them. Um, so we are not expert presenters. We just have some things that we thought might be helpful for sharing. Um, you know children, and you know their hearts. They're open and um, sponges and just ready to receive um, more uh, learning about Jesus. And so um, I just wanted to tell you, I have the distinction of getting to be the oldest of the group. <laughs> Not necessarily the wisest, but... Um, I, I get to be the oldest and tell them all what to do. Um, our mission at Dutton Christian, where we uh, teach school, is that um, within a Reformed worldview, we seek to nurture the heart with biblical truth, equip the mind with academic excellence, and impact the world for Christ. And we're just, like I said, regular people trying to live out that mission. And the thought came to us that um, we have been working hard to really work on that intentional piece of nurturing those children's hearts and figuring out ways that we can really grow them spiritually. Um, so what we're going to do is share four different things that have worked in our classrooms. And um, today I'm going to talk to you about... Um, bringing the whole big picture of the Bible in an accessible way to young children. I've always, always loved learning about the Bible. When I was in kindergarten and, and all beyond as I grew up, Bible stories were my favorite things. Bible classes were my favorite things. I love biblical history. Um, all of that was something that just resonated with me, and I've attended Christian schools since I was five. But despite all of that, all these little pieces I knew, all these facts, all these stories, bits, it wasn't until I was an adult that I understood that whole central message, the big story of the Bible, the grand story of creation, fall, redemption, and restoration. I don't know if it was a concept that I had just missed or if it was just never taught to me, but I was getting ready to teach children's worship in my church, and all of a sudden I had that aha moment, like, oh, it's like a big thing here. It's a big plan. It's more than a bunch of little cool stories. Um, it seemed like a tragedy to me. I didn't like that I had missed that. And so it was important to me to figure out a way that I could invite my young students into that story in an age-appropriate way. It's a pretty big concept. It's got some big words in it. So how do I make it more accessible? I, just, I grappled with that for a little while and finally hit upon um, a project that has worked really well in my classroom. The students, right in the beginning of the year, begin working on a poster of God's big story. We change the wording a little bit. Instead of saying creation, the fall, redemption, and restoration, I've changed the words to creation, sin, Jesus, and for the restoration in our classroom, we call it color God's world. And I can explain more about that as we get to it. 
Um, we use in the classroom to make this accessible for the students. I use a lot of art um, from different um, books, literature. We do discussions and um, we also use the Bible curriculum because we have to fit everything in. We know that's not always easy. So um, I'll just quick show you the, the one piece that I brought that's not on a slide. So here's just one that I pulled off the wall before I came. This is what we're working toward, okay? Just a poster, very kindergarten, um, and uh, it's God's story. So let me just go through how uh, we created that together. These are a few resources that I use. This first one, The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross, is just a fantastic story picture book which explains God's story in an incredibly beautiful way. Um, I really, really love using the pictures in this. The kids, it resonates really well with them. And I found it's not very well known. Next to that is uh, a box set, a newer um, resource by Jenny Allen. And um, there is one book for each part of the story. And then, if you don't already have the Jesus Storybook Bible in your classroom, I think that it's really a necessity. Jennifer's going to talk a little bit more about that. But it says that every story whispers his name, and that's really the way that the book is put together. So we begin at the beginning. Right away in the beginning of the school year, um, the story of creation happens in our Bible curriculum. So after talking about God's beautiful creation and the Garden of Eden and going outside and looking at creation, looking at a lot of um, books and showing how illustrators have interpreted the garden and the creation, um, we make a picture. And it's just a small, like it's about five by seven. Um, and I just try to make it really open-ended and let them do what they want and how they would see God's beautiful creation. Um, and we talk about using a lot of color because it was a beautiful and colorful world. The, um, the writing, if you can see here, I, I go through and I put a line on after they've made their picture. And it's the beginning of kindergarten. So we, uh, I just write a C underneath the document camera, and they make the C as best as they can, and we write the word creation. So it does give you a little bit of a chance to do a little letter work also. Got to get that all in there. Um, so then, after the creation, of course the story of the fall comes very quickly in the curriculum. If you have taught the story of the fall, you know that our kiddos are quite horrified, right? That Adam and Eve would make that choice, that um, anybody would disobey God. Of course, they don't. <laughs> and for many of them, the word sin, they've not heard that before. So we talk about sin, and the, the book that I showed you earlier, The Garden, the Curtain, and the Cross, is one that's really good at illustrating this. It goes from these beautiful, beautiful, colorful pictures to kind of a darker sepia color picture. And we call that in our um, classroom the bad, sad, and the ugly. And that when sin came, the bad, sad, and the ugly came. And you, can, you can't really tell what these creatures are, but this is the dark part. Okay? And then over there you can see Satan. He's got quite a smirk on his face. Right? And in the middle of that darkness over there, there's a heart that's broken. 
And these are things I told them to do. I just find it really fascinating that they, sometimes the things that they can't say in words, yeah. they can make in pictures, right? And I really just have to show you this. This is um, Ellie's and her creation picture. She was really proud of her beautiful butterflies. But then look at the scent. She made black butterflies. And that just, I was like, oh my goodness. That's just a really intuitive thing for her to do. And it says a lot. So, we can't leave the world bad, sad, and ugly. And even though the Bible curriculum waits until, what, April or something? I, I get it. And in this situation, um, I'm still using the books, I'm still using visuals, uh, we're doing a lot of talking about what it means that Jesus didn't die to save our sins, right? He died to save us, and he washed all of our sins away. And um, when we are illustrating then, all I do is give them a brown piece of paper, and I demonstrate how to cut two pieces and form them into a cross. And that's the only direction I give them. So some of them are really simple and do what I said. Some of them really love to um, uh, embellish. And the little guy on the back over there, he cut that out of the paper himself without cutting two pieces. I'm like, you go, buddy. That's awesome. Right? Like, isn't that good? So um, also, uh, at this point, I don't demonstrate how to write the word Jesus because it goes on our word wall. It's a really great time to put it on the word wall. So I wrote it on the board, and every one of them did it. No line, nothing. I was really proud of them. <laughs> now we come to the final part of the poster, but also the most exciting part to talk to the kids about. It's our place in God's story. It's where we come in. It's not the history. It's happening now. In our classroom, the phrase, color God's world, is one that they've heard from the beginning of the school year. Um, it means that we're partnering with Jesus to make the world a better place. We're getting rid of that darkness and the bad, sad, and ugly. And when we do something that helps Jesus, it's adding color back into his world. Um, and so it's something that's not new to them. These were created, the, um, the fourth piece of the, of the poster was made like two weeks ago. So we've been working on this for a while. It, it, takes, it's, it takes time. Um, but color, in Color God's World, um, they, we do write all those words and talk about finger spaces. Some of them get it and some of them don't. But we um, then have, I have them write or draw themselves doing something to color God's world, to make it a better place. And this is where um, I just love to see their heart come out. Um, I'll just read them for you. This, this um, kiddo said that I love God's world. I'm picking up trash to keep the world clean. And in the middle, I'm walking my dog. I'm an earth keeper. And then way at the end, such a cool um, illustration. This, this little girl had brought in little bead animals, and she shared them with everybody earlier on in the classroom. Like, everybody got to take one home. And um, I talked to her about, oh, you're being a community builder because you're being so kind and loving to your friends. So she drew that whole thing. Like, those are all little bead animals up there. That's our 
just really fun. So she had said, oh, oh, the words, by the way, they say them to me and I just scribe them on there, right? So I am a community builder by because I'm sharing the bead animals that I made for the class. So after doing all of that, um, we put it together as a poster. And this is teacher work, okay? So I just do some gluey. I also, um, just because I'm want it to show up, I actually do take my Sharpie and write right over top of all of their letters. Um, kind of fun, actually. The tracing. And um, here's a couple examples of the finished product. And then a couple more for you. They are not um, like fabulous pieces of art. And I'm not... Um, naive enough to think that they're going to live forever in somebody's living room. But what I hope lives forever is the foundation that we're starting here. To really see the big picture. To understand that God's story is more than the little pieces, but one big piece and that they're part of it. That, to me, is, um, is what I want them to take away. So does it work? Right? Does it work? Um, here's a few things that. Uh oh, my time is up. <laughs> here's a few things that uh, my students have said. Uh, I try to just write down some of their reflections, and I when I tell them, tell me about God's story. Um, God made people in His image. God made the world beautiful, and we make it beautifuler. <laughs> God made the world really good. We read about God's story in the Bible. Um, sin is the saddest part of the story. Jesus died on the cross to save me. Jesus is God's son. Satan is Jesus' enemy. Jesus makes our hearts wiped clean. God had a plan. We are making God's world better, not ugly. We can help Jesus make the world a better place. When we color God's world, we're listening to God and Jesus. So... Um, it's something that we continue to talk about always in our classroom. So it's, it's um, this is the introduction, the invitation into being part of God's story, and then we just build on from there. I'm going to turn this over to Jennifer. Never have I ever put these words in my mouth. I'm really good at something, and I should stand in a room and do it. <laughs> so just bear with me because I'm terrified right now. So, uh, but these people said you should share, so I'm sharing, and I trust them. Um, anyway, I, it really is about me being someone who's learned to use what I love about God and about God's world to um, just plant little seeds of wonder and curiosity and to the hearts of those, these little kids that we're with every day that we have the blessing of being with. So my first slide here tells you the why of, of storybook Bibles. It all started right there with that little picture, um, that little book that I got for one of my kids when they were really little. And I brought it with me in case you want to look at it because when I first got it, I thought, oh, some of these pictures are kind of scary. 
And the words are, you know, it's just really old in my head, really old. And I thought, what could this little book offer for my child's faith development? And I recently showed it to a friend of mine, and she stood there with the book, and she was like, oh, oh, I remember this picture. Oh, I remember this picture. And, and I thought to myself, that's the why. That's the why of Storybook Bibles, because um, her family used this book as devotions, and the images for her are linked to the pictures forever. Um, and I want to just point out that even the littlest of kids can understand great truths when they hear them in simple words. But when you use a storybook Bible and you pair it with a picture, God uses those pictures to imprint the story on your child's heart. It's all about using the pictures to um, imprint the story. So I believe our greatest blessing and our greatest responsibility as Christian school teachers is to be able to plant those truths in our children's hearts so that the teachers after us can nurture and grow them. Um, so that's what this is about. And um, This is just a few samples of some storybook Bibles that I have. I went online, just went to Amazon, which we all often do, and um, I did a search of ages 3 to 5. You can get 10,000 different choices in storybook Bibles. If you add ages 6 to 8, you're going to get up to 20,000 different choices. Um, these are just a few that I have on my shelf, and I'm not saying these are the ones you should buy by any means, because um, some of them I used in preschool, some of them I use now, but I, I, I told them before too, I'm a self-professed children's Bible junkie. <laughs> I, just, I love them, I love looking at them, I love reading the different ways that people interpret God's stories through pictures especially. So I just want you to see there's a variety on my shelf. Um, what I think is great, you might think, hmm, that picture's not for me. So what you need to do, you need to be discerning about what you're looking for. Um, it's very subjective. It's not about me. Um, it's about my class. What is my class going to respond to this year? What works this year might not be something that works yet next year. Um, at the pre-K level, when I taught preschool, my experience was that the brighter, the bigger the picture I could offer, um, the more impactful my words behind it would be. So if you find a Bible with illustrations you love, but the words just aren't a good match for you, use the pictures and your own words. Trust your voice. Um, it can be hard to trust your voice and put your own words to those pictures. Um, but do it, because... It's not about you, it's God's story. And he will give you the words you need to reach his children. Um, I often show pictures from more than one Bible as I'm telling a story. And I might say, well, this is what this illustrator thinks it might have looked like. And this is what this illustrator thinks it might. Or I'll say, the Bible doesn't exactly tell us what happened. Um, it, often they'll ask me a question and I'll say, well, the Bible doesn't exactly say, but here's what this illustrator thinks maybe it looked like. So I use the, the pictures um, can often help answer those questions that I can't. The Beginner's Bible is one that we have our kids keep in their book bins. Um, many kids have that book at home already. 
Um, it's a great one, I think, for um, also, you know, they love to find the story. Oh, look, I found this story. Oh, look, I found this story. Um, but it's also a good one, tying in literacy. You can have them look for the word God. You can have them look for the word Jesus and love. And um, then also gives you the ability to point out how God and Jesus and love go throughout his whole story. Um, they never get tired of that. And, um, yeah, don't forget, he's a master at... Um, putting words in your mouth. He wrote the story and he'll help you tell it. Um, as far as where to begin, if you are not someone who uses storybook Bibles and you're like, what, what's, what, do, what should I have? The Jesus, Tammy already talked about the Jesus Storybook Bible. Um, I brought the big edition along with me. You can get a small one. I highly recommend the big one. And I'll show you why because of these types of illustrations, right? So if it's the little Bible, it's not nearly as impactful as if you had the big one. So um, it's a good investment. Honestly, if you have nothing else, get that one. Um, I give it as shower gifts, as baby gifts. You know, everyone, every child should have this But that's just my thoughts. <laughs> so... I just feel like the stories and the illustrations perfectly weave together God's plan from creation to restoration. Um, and the kids are disappointed if I tell the story and it's not in that Bible where they can see the picture. The Rhyme Bible is one um, that, I, it's not the greatest illustrations, but again, another chance to tie in literacy um, with the rhyming. So you can go over the story that you've already done. And I like to like stop at the end of the line, and they love chiming in the rhyme and completing the sentence. Um, and then the Angels in the Bible storybook, I don't even remember how I came across it, but um, it's one that I would also highly recommend. It ha I'm not entirely certain, but I think all the stories in the Bible that have angels in them are in this book. I wish it came in a large edition all as well. Um, they just love, kids love hearing about angels. And they also have a stereotype of an angel in their head. This book is great at showing that God has so many different types of angels that he uses. Um, and they don't all look like that. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a good one to have. And it's, um, you know, you get some stories that might not be in your traditional children's storybook Bible. Um, so then um, I also have uh, the kids devotional Bible up there I use that one um, <laughs> I lay that one on my lap when I'm telling stories when I first started I didn't trust myself with the curriculum stories so I used that, that was actually I, one of my kids, I took it from home that they had gotten from school. And it just tells the story, very child-friendly words. I would go through and I would highlight the things I wanted to make sure I didn't miss. Um, but I didn't have pictures to go with it. So then um, I learned from one of the other teachers, when I walked in her room one day and she had on her dry erase board, you know, this, the Bible story was in a picture. So I thought, well, I'm not really good at drawing, but I'll give it a whirl. So 
when I, I started drawing, if you don't have a picture to go along with a, a, a picture Bible that has the story, um, draw it yourself. I am not a great artist by any stretch, but every time I draw a story, you're such a good picture books that I have on um, my shelf as well. If, um, going back to Amazon, if you search ages 3 to 5, you're going to get 2,000 choices, and if you add 6 to 8, you'll get 4,000 choices. So again, lots of different choices. So with devotions, you need to decide what are you looking for, um, what is your class shown an interest in, what do you have an interest in that you can share with your kids. If it speaks to you, chances are God will use you to speak to them through it. So go with what interests you or what you discover interests them. Devotions with children, um, you need to be short and sweet. They don't need a lot of words. Um, they need to have a topic that's going to draw them in. And if there's a picture to go along with it, again, it's going to draw them in more. I personally, I'm a, I'm a creation lover. Creation enjoyer of, I love animals, I love discovering all the, it amazes me over and over how many creatures God's made, and different things in creation. So I, over the last several years, I have noticed in a lot of my kids, they are full of details and facts about animals that they've gotten off of apps that are on their parents' phones, or off of games they've played, or TV, whatever. So they have this wealth of information. What they don't have is a connection to God and his truths because of the details that they know about his world. So you can use your devotional time to connect their interests to the perfection of his plan when he created his world. I like to say when I'm, you know, type like, wow, God thought of everything when he made this. Um, so point that out to them, you know, like, oh, you know this about this creature. Well, you know why God did that. They don't know that yet. We can tell them. Um, and you can direct them to how every single inch of his world points back to him. If you're a school that teaches zoophonics, the five-minute devotion books are ones that I would recommend getting. Um, you can find a devotion. It's a two, there's two sets. Um, to match almost every zoophonic animal, if not all, pretty sure. So um, I also use the Jesus Calling. Um, it's a Bible storybook, devotions in there as well. Um, I like to use that leading up to the Easter stories in the curriculum to tell some Jesus stories, because in our curriculum, you don't hit Jesus before you just like randomly, oh, we're going to do 
or hats to the cross, right? <laughs> and then we're going to jump back to the Old Testament. So I like to use my devotion time leading in to tell some Jesus stories, and they love to hear the Jesus stories, and there's little devotions to go along with that. Um, and then Louis, these, this indescribable, the Louis, I think it's Gaglio, Gaglio, whatever. Um, he's got some, and they're all, they're a little higher level, but um, a lot of great topics in those. In fact, when I was, you know, looking at things, I bought another one. <laughs> So, um, yeah, just, just pick and choose depending on the time of year. But I think it's worth noting, um, as with the Bible story books, use devotional books as a springboard. You are not bound to read the words that the author wrote. You can and you should paraphrase, um, add to the material, meet your class where they're at. You're sharing his truths. He wrote the story, and you're just the vehicle that he's using for the little ears to hear them. Okay. So, um, the picture books, I think it's also worth, the, worth noting that devotions don't have to come from devotion books. Picture books provide a great opportunity to invite God into your day. There's a lot of books that are Christian-based or focus on character development or virtues that are not necessarily a Christian book. Um, you can Google that. If you want to work on, if you have a little one in your class who likes to embellish the truth, Google it. And you might find a great book to go along to start a conversation. Um, any book that you feel can be used to illustrate and point to God's truths in a visual way is a book that you can use during devotion time. These are just a few of the ones that um, I like to use, um, but just a few. And there's so many. You can also search Google um, by script for scripture by topic. We all know this, but um, then you can search for the book. So it's often the discussions following the reading of a book or a simple story that are the most powerful um, in directing children to show Jesus to others in all that they say and do. So um, those two, if you wrote down, um, those two are older books. But those authors, David and Helen Hadel, um, if you teach Psalm 23 in your curriculum, that one's a really cool book talking about a shepherd and it goes line by line and the kids love to hear every day the new line. Um, it's an older book so it's a little harder to find I think and so is um, the other one but I wanted to put those up there. Um, so anyway, in closing, I want to encourage you to remember three things. First of all, remember, God wrote the story. He has you in a place where he wants you to share it. He already knows the tools that you need to do it, and he'll put the tools in your toolbox. So trust your voice. Um, secondly, little learners need visuals. So many stories, truths, and promises in the Bible defy explanation, and they're so abstract. And to attempt understanding without a powerful, powerful visual to share with that powerful story, you might not put an imprint on their heart. So use the visuals. And then last, by committing to start your day in the classroom with some sort of a devotional time that's intentional um, and that relates to your class's interests and or your curriculum, you model for your class how to start their day with Jesus in a meaningful way. And that 
that um, could end up being the most powerful point of view. Restorative conversations. It's also called restorative practice, restorative justice, restorative approach, right? Any measures, intervention, all those things. Um, I've kind of settled on restorative conversations because it is. It's a conversation between um, all people involved, and I'm just there to kind of help. Um, so, anyway, the restorative conversations, it's the practice of restoring justice. Um, it puts the harm done the accountability of the harmer, and the repairing of the harm, all in the center. So um, it includes everyone who's involved, the harmer and the harmed. At our grade levels, it's not about breaking the rules as much as it is about breaking the relationship. Um, you can tell when they come and tell you that somebody took their truck, um, that their heart is hurt, right? It's not that he took my truck and he's not supposed to take anything that doesn't belong to him. Right? It's not about that, it's about my heart, heart hurts. Um, and so, why? Why do I take the time to do this in my classroom? Because it's developing that Christian character, right? It's why we're where we are. It's not as much about discipline, it's about helping them build um, that character that we want them to do. And to bring restoration rather than punishment. Um, together, we're working a way forward, we're growing and improving. Um, and it just includes all the parties, like I said. You hope it's an enduring resolution, not a quick, I'm sorry, and then they go and do the same thing again. It's more difficult to listen to how one's behavior affected a classmate and then figure out how to make the relationship right again. Mm -hmm. And it's teaching children how to think. I don't know what's buzzing, but sorry. It's um, creating new pathways in their brain, not a quick fix. So I start with restorative circles. Um, just by their structure, structure um, circles convey certain values. Speaker. You just sleep for while. You need a rest time. Um, because they're, we're all equal here, right? We're all facing each other. You can see everyone. Everyone has a voice. Although they can pass if they want to. You can return to them at the end. Um, or um, some things that work for the shyer ones, would you like a friend to help you? Um, think of something to say and then they can talk to their little neighbor. And we learn to trust each other, right? So the restorative circles, um, in my experience, I have books too, um, if you want to read somebody else's experience, but in my experience, um, I always try to introduce the circles when things are going well. So um, some years I do a morning circle where we just say, hey, how you guys doing? How'd you sleep? What are you looking forward to today? Um, and then some this year I'm actually doing a closing circle because it works better in my schedule. And so it's kind of a checkout circle um, where we review the day, we share what's been happening, highlight of our day, um, PE, recess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to up my Bible story game. Um, it's okay, right? They're just typical kids. Uh, you don't take offense to that. But um, it, just, it, it just gives you them, it shows them what the circle can do, right? Um, you can pass around a talking piece. You can do sequential. Um, I have a stick with fun little ribbons on the top that sometimes I use if I'm not turtle around or not just taking hands. Um, so sometimes I just take hands. In other days, I encourage all to share. 
then if there's a problem, right? So, for example, recess. Um, I pull the class into a circle and I say, class, kindergartners, friends, I'm feeling sad because some of our friends around our circle are not enjoying recess or don't feel safe at recess. Um, and I wonder if any of you can help us solve this problem. It's not raise your hand if you feel scared. Raise your hand if you're the harmer, right? It's let's talk about, let's brainstorm. And they come up with beautiful things, um, you know, like Professor Schmidt talked about today, just being amazed at what they can come up with. Um, it's a cooperative atmosphere. They feel respected. They realize what they say matters because, you know, you, you don't, I mean, you guys are all experts. You know how to respond to children, even if their idea is way out in left field, right? So you make them feel like they're respected and part of the group, what they say matters. We're all partners in this. Um, and then you can also, so then you can go on your merry way and, and hope that it works, pray that it works. Um, and then if it does work, call them back in a circle and be like, wow, you guys, you gave all these great ideas and look, they worked. And the friends can share about how they, you know, it all worked. Um, if it isn't going well, you can call them back in a circle, but you can also um, do a small group uh, restorative conversation. Um, usually what I do is I start with a child who's been harmed, have them tell me as much as they know, so they give you names, um, they give you their <coughs> side of the story, um, and then I have the harm, um, I bring in the harmer. <laughs> Does that make all sense? Yes. 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 Okay, good. And so I bring in the harmer, and then I have the harmed repeat. And the first time they do this, they're like, oh my I have to tell this friend. Yep, you can tell them. This is safe, you know. So they tell what happened, and then um, the harmer has to be quiet, right? Only one voice at a time again. And I go through these questions. Um, so once they share their side, right, or you can use these questions. So the child who was harmed, what happened? I should have reversed these. What do you think when this, what did you think when this happened? Now this is hard for five and six-year-olds. Maybe first and up teachers, your kids might be able to tell what they feel. But I usually just get sad, mad, you know, that kind of thing. Um, what did you think when this, this happened? That's the hard one. How did you feel? They can give me the sadder man. What has been the hardest thing for you? I usually admit, admit this question, um, but I put it up here in case you have older kids and you think this would work for you. Um, because usually that comes out in the what happened, and they can see, right, that the friend is upset or, or teared. How can we make this be this made right? Sometimes I'll ask the harmed all those questions, sometimes I'll go back and forth. I'll say, all right, harmed, what happened? Harmer, what do you think happened, mm -hmm. right? And then we kind of, then some want to jump it, right? Calm, you know, we're just saying what we, you know, and then trying to work that out and find some center of, of truth. Even if you don't know the whole story, just the fact that they told each other what they felt and what they thought, is moving the relationship forward, right? Okay? Then we get all the way to how can we make this right? Hokey pee. Sometimes they're like, I think I need to go to the principal's office. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure Mr. Witt.
I would love to visit with you or Mr. Wachinski, but you know what? I bet we can settle this right here. <laughs> so then they work out this. Again, amazed. And so then we work out this, you know, whatever. Let's play together next recess. Great. Let's play together next recess. You know, those kind of things. So um, again, it's focusing on what happened to the past what the impacts are, because they're stuck, right? <laughs> the harmed is stuck. I, I, this, I am bugged by this, right? And then you have to kind of move forward into the future. What are we going to do to fix it? And then how are we going to go forward? Um, one child can talk at a time. Um, the truth is important, and it can come out easier if we don't allow accusing, but rather focus on what you did, what you felt. Because every time they're like, but he, and I'll be like, if you're, you know, but he did this to me, okay. But if he's mean, that's the freak, right? Mm -hmm. You know, then you've got to kind of get to it. At the end of our little time together, I pray with them, and I pray again for the future, right? Help us to be able to be kind and compassionate as we move forward. I make them look in the eye, each other in the eye, and either fist bump, high five, or smile. And it's, they end up giggling, right? Because to tell five-year-olds to look in the eye and high-five at the same time, they miss. They all start laughing. I say, try again. They look at each other's hands, right, to make sure it's going to hit. And then they quick look at the eye. It's just the most amazing. It's just so funny. So it all usually ends well. If it happens again, right, you have another conversation. It is awesome. Marathon, not a sprint, right? Mm -hmm. They're five, six, seven, eight, however old your kids are, and um, this takes time. So whole group, like if it's something that impacts most, I do the circle. If it just impacts two, three, four, I um, do the little conversation. What do you do with the rest of the class? When you're in the corner or in the hallway? Good question. If you have any ideas, I'd love to hear them. <laughs> Sometimes, right? So it's after recess. So you kind of just like, okay, everybody, can you take out? We have clay that they can you take out your clay and everybody play for a few minutes, and I take the kids in the hall and, and talk about it. But we know that it's worth it. We know that it's worth its time. Um, so yeah, you get it. You get it. At the end of the year last year, I had um, a little buddy. We were in the hallway all the time. <laughs> and <laughs> by the end of the year, he'd come up to me. He'd be like. Mrs. Miedema, Jack threw wood chips at me, and he'd start walking to the hall. <laughs> Let's go. Let's have a restorative conversation. I'm on board, Miedema. You too. Let's go. You know, so it's it's really it's really great. It, it's worth its time. So it's fun. All right, Sarah, you're up. with you, but before I share with you the what of True Treasure, 
um, I really want to share with you the heart of my why. And I hesitated to do this portion first because I don't want it necessarily to get lost in the details of what I'm going to share in the slides to come. However, um, if I save the why until the end, I don't want to get wrapped up and run out of time and, and miss that part too. But um, in the last 15 years or so, the Lord has really been at work in, me, in, in my spiritual journey. Um, graciously revealing to me the absolute beauty and the preciousness of the gospel and cultivating my heart in my heart a sincere desire to share with my students what I didn't fully understand as a young student um, I didn't grasp it as a child the simple yet profound truth of God's great rescue story which um, my colleagues have already shared so beautifully with you through the Jesus story of the Bible and the redemption um, story Jesus is the most precious, priceless, unfathomable treasure that we could ever seek to acquire. In Jesus are hidden all riches. He's unsearchable, he's inexhaustible, and he's an unfathomable treasure chest. So as my heart cherishes Christ and the gospel more as an adult, I find myself wanting to find ways to impart that to my students in tangible ways as a five-year-old. So much of what our culture is teaching our kids to treasure is meaningless, earthly treasure. The Lord has laid it heavily on my heart to teach my kids to store up heavenly treasure that can never be taken from them and that moth and rust cannot destroy. It's my sincerest desire that my students leave my classroom, having grown in their ability to desire to delight in and treasure their Savior and His Word. So that's where this all comes from, and I hope that it's a blessing to you. So, um, my whole um, Bible curriculum is framed in the, uh, the concept of treasure. Um, and I, when I when I took the job that I have, the teacher before did solely the Jesus story book Bible, and I was very very grateful for that because it's a beautiful framework. We actually purchase, there's a curriculum that you can purchase to go along with it, but it's very, it's very above my kids, my um, young fives kids. So I use parts and pieces of it um, to guide my teaching, but I don't teach it strictly. It's, it's for older kids. But anyway, um, I start the very start of the school year with an invitation, and I do that by way of introducing my relationship with my 94-year-old grandmother and how dear and precious she is to me. She lives very far away, and I don't get to see her very often, maybe twice a year, and she sends me letters. So whenever I get a letter, I get so excited to open it and see what she wanted, wanted to tell me. I keep it on the counter, I put it on the refrigerator, I show it to people who visit my house. It's just so, so special to me. So I bring to them, oh, here it is, I show them my letter that my grandma sent me and that it's in her own, own handwriting and um, and I just marvel at it with me. So my very most favorite part of each of her letters is at the bottom she always writes, I love you Sarah. And how silly it would be for me if I received an envelope from my grandmother in the mailbox and took it in my house and left it on my counter, right? I would never get to know what she wanted to say to me and I would never get to read her I love you. So, I take out my grandma's letter and marvel at it with them and, oh, look at what grandma sent me today. What does it look like to you? And inside is a treasure map of our playground. 
Okay. She sent us a treasure map. Should we go find the treasure? It's like, of course. That's exciting. You know, they're all on board. So we take our shovel and we're praying through the um, playground and there you see X marks the spot. We found it. That was where the treasure was. So we're excitedly digging up the treasure in the sandbox and we find um, buried treasure in a box which contains um, two treasure chests. So the first treasure box contains um, a, a real true holy Bible. The Bible is God's love letter to us. It helps us to know him better and to hear his I love you. Should we put it back in the box and rebury it? No, how silly would that be? We have to read it to you and use it to know God better. Okay, so here I am showing them, I'm like opening the treasure box and showing them the Bible. And then um, the second one contains a some sand and some jewels. So I pour out the sand on a tray and allow the kids to sort out the difference between the real jewels and the fake dollar store plastic rings. Undoubtedly, they're more enamored with the plastic rings. <laughs> want to take them home, but the real thing is I want them to feel the difference, right? I want you to know there's a difference between the real and the real. God wants us to find the true treasure. Fake treasure is a trick, and it's not worth anything, and it doesn't last. Satan wants us to be happy with fake treasure. God wants us to find true treasure. True, priceless, precious treasure is in God. So that's kind of the first portion, is introducing um, God as our treasure and his word as our treasure. Then I move into um, a day or two later, and we're talking about you are God's precious treasure. So um, this is one of my favorite resources to um, display this truth to the kids. We were talking a little bit um, beforehand that it is lengthy, so you can break it up into two or three readings, but the truth presented in this book is just so beautiful about how the wooden people are giving each other dot stickers and star stickers based on what they can do and what who they are and how Punchinello doesn't like that. So his little friend encourages him to go see Eli the woodcarver. And Eli says, well, what your friends don't, what your friends think about you don't matter. They didn't make you. You're precious because I made you. And so every day come and see me and I will remind you of why you're precious and why I love you. So it's really, really special. And every time I read it, I get teary myself. You maybe sometimes have that as as on your Christian journey where God uses your lesson that you're teaching to your kids to just, you needed to hear that again, right? So, um, this is a really, really fun lesson because we've used the treasure box the day or two prior, and now I get to use it again to tell them that they are God's precious treasure. Except for this time, there's not a Bible inside, there's glowing light inside. So, this is, like, God's word is our treasure, but... This, what's in this box is God's most precious treasure. And I love to speculate with them about what is inside. What could be God's most precious treasure? And what they come up with is, is precious and it's comical sometimes. But inside, I have all of their pictures. And so I take it out and I look them in the eye and I say, Emma, you are God's most precious treasure. And you know, and as I go through each one, you can see the ones that haven't been called yet. Like, am I in there? <laughs> so it's, it's a really, really fun experience. Well, 
is the most incredible treasure that we've ever seen. And you, you are God's most, most precious treasure. So then we're going to add them to God's treasure chest on my bulletin board. But before we do that, we have to bedazzle them. So we put little sticky jewels on them, and they think that's lots of fun, and they make themselves glitter and shine before we put them up onto the treasure box. Um, and then this is, while they're bedazzling, I love to um, just play this song. And I'm just going to give you a little clip of it so that in case you want to search it, you can search it. But um, the lyrics go like this. I am a child of God. I know that I am loved. He hears me when I pray. He always makes a way. I am his and he is mine. I am the prize he came to find. I'm forgiven and chosen forever. I am a treasure. And I don't, like, sometimes God gives you little gifts like that. When you find a little poem or a song or something, I'm like, oh, this goes perfectly. And I just found this at the beginning of this year, and I was like, that was a gift for me. Thank you, Lord. So we're going to try this. See if it will work. They love it, and they ask for it almost every single day. <laughs> you listen to the jungle song. <laughs> really cute. So um, that kind of closes that that day and that lesson of you are God's precious treasure. Um, then another rhythm that goes along with oops, I'm sorry. Another rhythm that goes along with God's word is precious treasure. Um, I just need to be fully transparent and say that this activity and rhythm is not mine. This was a gift from a dear sister in Christ. Um, her name is Tammy Pettit, and she was a friend of mine that taught at Zion Christian School. And um, she actually received her heavenly treasure about two years ago. And so I love that what she shared with me, I get to share with my kids and now with you. And what, what the Lord gave her can now bless hundreds of students, right? So... She taught my niece and nephews, and when I saw what they were bringing home, I immediately wanted to know more about her rhythm and how she managed it and how um, she taught that. So she graciously shared her ideas, and I'm forever grateful. So the rhythm of my Bible stories, I teach from the Bible, Jesus Storybook Bible, and we always begin each lesson. I pull out my treasure box, and I set it on my lap, and we sing together um, the Bible is a treasure book, which is a very, very old hymn. Um, and it, the Bible is a treasure book of stories that are true. It tells of people long ago of folks like me and you. And there's like three or four different verses. I don't sing the whole thing, but um, the kids learn two verses really well. So we just kind of stick with those. And then I open the treasure box, pull out the Bible, and say to them, this is God's holy word. And they say back to me, and every word is true. Um, and then I, when as I open the Bible, we revisit that this is God's treasure and that there's something precious. There's a message in here that he wants you to hear today. So your job right now is to listen for what that is that God wants you to hear. So then I read or tell the story. Um, and then their favorite thing at the end is guessing what's their treasure going to be. Um, and 
for whatever, for every Bible story, there's a little trinket, treasure, something cheap and expensive that, um, that they get. And so then at the end, I get to show them, like, for example, the picture there was creation is God's earth is a little marble. Or for the Tower of Babel, they get a little Lego. Um, for um, God's promise to Abraham, they get a little sheet of twinkling stars. Just little things like that. Um, that is going to be their treasure for that story. I do two stories a week, so that on Friday um, they take their treasure box home. So this is their home treasure box. It's just a little mint tin that um, we spray paint, and their treasures go in here to go in their backpack to go home. Um, there's a mirror inside to remind them they are God's treasure, along with the treasures that they're taking home. And then this, so they have at home their home treasure box which has the, the label on it there. That's their home treasure box. They transfer their treasures from school treasure box to home treasure box. This comes back every Monday. So it's just a, a rhythm and a routine that has become really, really sweet and meaningful, and the parent feedback has been pretty good on it, that it's created conversation between um, students and parents, but also between students and siblings, or maybe students and friends in the neighborhood. Um, just... And I could, I could get wrapped up in all the logistics of, of how we store it and how we distribute it. The, the real key is um, that you do it your way and that you find what's meaningful for your kids if it's something that interests you. And um, it just has become a really, really special rhythm and routine in, in our um, classroom. So the next video that I want to show you is a rare and precious gift because you all know that we very seldom get tangible evidence of what the Holy Spirit is stirring in the hearts of our kids. And this mom was able to capture a glimpse, and I am just so grateful that she was in the right place at the right time, and then she was willing to share it with me. So it's pretty quiet, so I just listen carefully, and I hope you can get the gist of it.
louder. He said there at the very end, you will think you don't need me anymore. Just like how God's using the Holy Spirit to impart that truth and plant it in his heart. This is so beautiful to me. So, um, that's kind of the rhythm of true treasures in my young five's classroom. And then the last thing... Still buzzing. Um, and Tammy already talked about this too, but um, I also use the... Um, illustrate the beauty of the gospel with the bridge illustration. So I introduced it on Reformation Day, um, drawing it out and talking about how Martin Luther wanted people to know they didn't have to earn their salvation. And so we um, end the picture with the people walking across the bridge of Jesus to live in relationship with God and explain together, this is the best news ever. And they take, like, three or four times throughout the year, they draw it. They practice drawing it in their prayer journal so that by the end of the year, it becomes something that they're really familiar with. Um, becomes a safe thing for them to talk about. So, I don't know how we are on time. Are we way over? I don't know. Um, do you want to take questions? Do you want to... Thank you for coming. Yes. <laughs>